broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are, Raider Nation, kicking off hour number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. We kick off hour number three with our good friend Lincoln Kennedy from the Raiders Radio Network, of course, former Raider offensive lineman. And Lincoln, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate you. And today's a tough day around the NFL. A lot of guys uh, lose their jobs. Some of them get picked up on the practice squad. Some get picked up by other teams. And ultimately, some guys' dreams come to kind of come to an end today. So uh, what are your thoughts when you see guys knowing that they uh, have loved for the whole life, the NFL, and they just, it might not be for them today. Well, you, you know, first of all, it's good to be with you, Q. Thanks for having me. You know, it, it, the thing is, is that you, it, it's like I told my son when he came into the league. It was like, it's not about getting here. It's about learning how to stay here. This is a business. And no matter what you celebrated and, and what you've done in the years before in college or lower, how many accolades you had, doesn't mean anything on this level. Anyone on this level got it here for a reason or got an opportunity for a reason. They're capable of playing. You always feel bad when guys don't make it. I made some great friendships in my days uh, in playing football and in training camp and and meeting new guys and meeting new people. But at the same point, it's a business, and you feel for them. But, but, you know, for the most part, I will say this. You know, we put a lot of emphasis into training camp and, you know, preseason and roster moves and stuff like that. Generally speaking, most of the team is built before you even get to training camp. Right. You, you know who's going to make it. You, you have a pretty good feel. Now, you'll fine-tune every now and then. Hopefully, you know, you'll think of the, the powers that be that picked the, the incoming draft class, did enough good job to complement your team. But the roster is pretty much made up before guys go to training camp. And just going through training camp in preseason is a necessary evil. But, you know, it, it's business. So you try to tell guys always be on the best – best behavior, even veterans. You know, you might not make this squad, but there are 31 other teams out there. Right, and the business is the business when it comes to the NFL. And Alex Leatherwood, he was waived earlier today, one year in the league, Lincoln, and, and you know, that's a – that's a that's a tough pill to swallow, you know, and obviously he was a guy picked by the, the former regime. Uh, ultimately, what do you think just went wrong with Alex Leatherwood? Well, one, he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't progress. You, you've got to get better. No one can ever go through this type of career queue just being the same. You've got to get better because if you're not getting better, you're being passed by or someone's getting better than you, and you're, you're not developing the right way. So I, I think that's what it came down to. But, you know, look at it. I, I mean, I've, I've been affiliated with this organization for a while. Now, this is two, This is the second time this has happened because Gruden's group, Gruden's regime, came in and totally did away with Reggie McKenzie and everything, Jack Ray and all the things that happened for them. And now you need to pretty much have it with this team, uh, this team right now with Joshua Daniels and, and Dave Ziegler. But, you know, you give them credit because, well, I mean, you have no choice. They're, they're, they're the ones in charge. But you, you give them credit for what you saw in preseason. Now, I know it's only preseason, Q, but it's still a good feeling to walk out of preseason being 4-0 and not necessarily having to scratch on your head being 0-4 like, you know, what, 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 type, what type of team we're going to have. What can you carry over? I'm glad you brought up 4-0, who we've been talking about it quite a bit. What as a player can you carry over, especially from a new regime and going 4-0 in the preseason? 
you can always get more and coach better and feel better as a player, a coach, and everything, an organization on the heels of a win rather than losing. Now, I know it's only preseason. It's like the same game, and I get it. But the thing is, is that if you think about it, with this roster, with what we saw during training camp and preseason, most of the true starters that you're going to see against uh, you know, Los Angeles in a couple of weeks aren't, didn't play. You only saw him practice, or, or you saw what they did last year. Even, you know, Devontae Adams was on a different team. You didn't see him play in a ready uniform on game day, but yet you still saw some backups, some replacements, some would-be, you know, potentially depth guys uh, go out there and execute well. There were very limited mistakes and penalties through preseason. Good sign. Wasn't one the Raiders always had the fortune of. And two, being able to find a way to win. You know, that that's another good sign because – what that tells you is that the personnel that you do have can work with the scheme that you're trying to implement and still get promising favor. Again, it's only preseason, throw it a grain of salt, but take it as you will. You, you and I are feeling better in this position, talking about this team right now, coming through the preseason unscathed rather than you know having four losses and like, well, you know, maybe Derek should have played. Or we had a ton of injuries. You have so many questions uh, on the roster. I don't have a lot of questions on this roster. I, I just have to see how they're going to make it happen. Talking right now with Lincoln Kennedy here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. You mentioned the penalties, and that's something that we've talked about quite a bit. That last game they had one for 10 yards, and it was a silly yeah. penalty by a tight end, and he's no longer on the roster. But how do you get <laughs> <laughs> how do you get a, a, a team, especially with a lot of backups playing, as you mentioned, to go out there and play pretty penalty-free and not turn the ball over one time in the preseason. How difficult is that to do? Very difficult when you talk about a team game because you're talking about 11 different personalities but uh, one, uh, out there at one, any given time, offense, defense, special teams. So you, know, you can go different ways 11 times. And, of course, you know, there's, you can make an argument. There's probably a penalty in every play, but it's not called. Right. Whether that be the way you look at it or not, the first thing you have to take into consideration is the maturity. There's a sense of maturity about this team that wasn't necessarily present years before. Hell, even when I played, we weren't always mature. Um, but, you know, there's a sense of maturity. Two, you have a sense of accountability. Guys are doing their job, trying to do their job at the best speed they can, the top of the level they can, and aren't really making mistakes. They understand the scheme. They understand the thought process, why these plays are called, how to make them work. And you go out there and you execute them against other people. And that maturity and accountability comes into view or comes into play because you know how to play the game and you do everything right rather than doing things wrong. What did you think about a couple undrafted free agents that made the squad, linebackers Luke Masterson and uh, Darian Butler? Both of those guys made the squad. When you, when you talk about the linebacker, linebacker room and you look at it, how the Raiders have had struggles in years past, sort of you know, putting that room together, last year we found a fortune in Denzel Perryman and, and found a way to make it work in the system. Um, and now you have where you're trying to create depth. You didn't have a whole lot of depth at the position. One of the keys that we're looking into going into training camp was interior defensive line, linebackers, and, and, and others. But trying to create depth, you see these two guys, Masterson and, 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 uh, and Butler, come along, and they play hard. Look, they might not always be in the right place at the right time. They might not always make the play that you think, but they play hard. And, and it's one thing to be able, like, like Masterson has had fun, uh, with having the green dot on the helmet, calling the plays, the defensive plays, getting everybody lined up. That's one thing. But to go out there and execute, play hard, and do it in every phase you could, and saw them make plays in special teams, saw them make plays in defense, that's exactly what you want out of, out of, out of a true baller.
All right, Lincoln, another pos- another position group that the Raiders have a lot of depth at is running back. They kept just about every running back on the team. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, Brandon Bowden, Amir White, Amir Abdullah, Brendan Brown, even making the team as seventh-round pick. From what you saw in preseason, how well do you think the Raiders will be able to run the ball this coming season? Well, I mean, we, we saw flashes of it. We saw them use pretty pretty much the entire preseason, all four games, use similarly the, the, the same one. So you didn't see a, a, a great uh, gate drop in variety, but that's okay. You saw guys that are running hard and they'll give you opportunity. The running back position is very key in this offense for a number of reasons. Not only being able to run between the tackles, outside the tackles, no more in a game, those types of things, but being able to catch out of the backfield. That's a big deal. The screen game, you know, you have flare routes, you have you know, shoot routes, all these other routes that running backs, well, you know, even pivot routes when they're running up uh, uh, trying to get a linebacker off of the tight end or something like that. You have all these other instances where the running back is key. Um, I'm not necessarily surprised they kept all of them. I still think somebody has to, to go to be moved down to practice squad. But you know what? This, this day and age, guys, um, it's running back by committee. You rarely have a guy who's going to stand there, stand there and carry the ball successfully 300 times a season. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's good to have a number of options that you want to go with. Um, and you've got some good young talent that's coming up as well. Talking again with Lincoln Kennedy here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Let's go back to the offense, the line, Jermaine and Luminor. Looks like he's in line to be that right tackle. Maybe Thayer Mumford if he comes back from injury. But uh, what are your thoughts on those two options there at the right tackle position? Well, just for the numbers' sake, I hope that Illuminor gets it right. I hope, I hope he realizes <laughs> that, that, that. No, no, seriously, in all honesty, because there were times where I thought he was given a chance last year, mm-hmm. and I don't think he took it seriously. Yeah. And now, you know, the writing's on the wall. They just got rid of a former first-round pick. You've been sort of a journeyman around the league trying to find your place. You can make this. This team needs a right tackle. Right. You can make this a possible home for you. You can let the other dominoes fall as they may. Don't worry about the swing tackle. Just play, be a good right tackle. But you have to be mature. You have to take it on, and you have to progress. You have to get better. Um, there's still things that Illuminor has to work on. Um, but you know, aside along with his body and everything else, um, you've got to get better. So I hope that he takes it as, as serious as it is in front of him, the opportunity, and makes the best of it. All right, Lincoln, I want to ask you about Alex Leatherwood because I don't know after today how much we're going to be talking about him ever again. But Mitchell Schwartz and Ted Nguyen, they put out a piece on The Athletic. And Mitchell Schwartz, former lineman for the um, Browns and the Chiefs, he said that he keeps his hands too low, and that's not the problem there. But he also punches low, and that's a bad combination when you keep your hands low and you also punch low. And he said that was one of his biggest problems as an offensive lineman. The problems with Alex Leatherwood, do you think they can be correctable somewhere else? and will maybe not a year off, but just sitting down and waiting, do you think that will help him become a better player? I think, I think he has the potential physically to, to, to be a good player. It's the mental capacity that I worry about. And what I mean by that is, along with the, the, the things that Mitchell pointed out, which are absolutely true, he bends at the waist rather than the knees. Um, he has a low, uh, low focal point, so which means you know, when you end up aiming low, you hit low or you miss low. There's really you really have no recourse, um, but that's just details, physical details that you know have to be explained when you're uh, when you're in person rather than trying to do it over the radio and explain to our audience. But I will say this: it's it's the mental makeup that worries me about Alex Leatherwood. And what I mean by that is, I still think physically he has all the potential in the world, but he gets too down on himself when he makes a mistake. 
and you have to have a short memory when you play this game. You're going to get beat. The guys that play against you play over on the other side. They get paid, too. You're going to get beat. But what, as a pro, what you do is you try not to get beat by the same move twice. You try to learn from your mistakes. You move on, and you progress. You get better. You don't keep saying, making the same mistake game or play or you know, uh, uh, quarter after quarter where you get beat by the same move. You gotta understand. You gotta keep your shoulder square. Don't get beat. Don't turn your shoulder lightly. You give up sight. Once it happens in the first game, it happens in the second game. This becomes a habit that you can't afford to have. So, there, uh, you know, I think that you know there's a potential for Leatherwood. He'll probably land on someone else's team a lot cheaper, get an opportunity. But the, again, lies a problem in today's game. You really don't have an opportunity to, to develop guys. They either be, have to be able to play and be able to play at a level that's competitive now. And then we'll work on the little nuances as we go or not. And I, I hope for Alex's sake that he doesn't wash out because I do think he has potential to be a decent lineman. He just needs a lot of work. Yeah, and that was the thing I was saying, Lincoln, is that I felt like that if this was a team that didn't have high expectations, that they were just a team that, hey, we're going to have a lot of young guys and they're going to try to grow together, I think it would have been more acceptable to keep them. But this team's expectations are way higher than that. No doubt. No doubt. And, and of course, you also think about what's, what's at stake. You've got a $40 million man back in quarterback. You can't, you can't run the risk of him getting hit. So, you know, Leatherwood will probably move on to somebody like Seattle or Minnesota who has got lesser expectations trying to rebuild. Um, but I, I don't think he's done with the league. I just think he, he needs time to develop, and you just can't do it here. Right, exactly. One more guy that I wanted to ask you about before we let you go, Trayvon Mullen. He gets uh, traded to the Cardinals. Uh, he was going into the last year of his deal. Don't know if he was going to play. There was uh, reports that he was going to be IR'd. So uh, what did you think about Mullen going to the Cardinals? Surprise. Really surprised because I thought last year when we did see Trayvon that he was a decent shutdown corner. The, and the only thing that I can assume, because we didn't see him all preseason, we heard, you know, just like you had mentioned, the, the situation about the, the injuries and the possibility of building up and not being ready and stuff like that. We heard about that, but, you know, you can't trade an injured guy, so he had to be right. ready. The only thing I can imagine is that he just didn't fit in Patrick Graham's defense, the defensive scheme. Now, you know, the way they play things with the cover two and with some of the other zones they do, uh, six, four, and, and even three, um, I, I have seen man corners that are specifically designed to be press man or play press man in college and stuff like that struggle with the concept and understanding zone. Wow, we've seen it here with Damon on that when he was on the team. He struggled. He could not play zone. He was a man corner coming out of Ohio State. So that's the only thing that I could speculate, them making that trade. I was really surprised when I heard, but I just figured that he just didn't fit well in the scheme, so you, you too have to move on from him. All right, Lincoln, I know that you're really busy with the Raiders, but I wanted to get your college football thoughts because, you know, college football season is already starting. So can you give me some storylines yeah. that you're watching in the Pac-12 that maybe some people on the West Coast need to be on the lookout for? Well, I mean, the big game, obviously, this week is, is Oregon and, and uh, going up against Georgia mm-hmm. and Utah and Florida. And for the sake of it, not Pac-12, Pac-12 aside, you know, I work for the, the company and enjoy what I'm doing. Matter of fact, we got our first call Thursday night, I've got uh, ASU versus uh, Northern Arizona University. So I got my first call Thursday night, and then Saturday I'm on the road with UCLA and Bowling Green. But for those non-conference games, the, the meaning for the Pac-10 and just college football in general is to create balance. If Oregon can beat Georgia, can upset Georgia, and Georgia's thought as one of the best teams in the country, especially what they accomplished last year, then this, this creates a little level playing field when it talks, when you have your talks about college football, 
and it puts the West back on the map. That's what the West has got to do. I'm talking about not only the Pac-10 Conference or 12 Conference as a whole, but every team out West. When you play against someone in the East or the South, you got to win. And so that Utah and Florida, even though Florida is not what it used to be, it's still the namesake of it. If Utah can go down and beat Florida, especially already being, I think, they're number five in the preseason polls, if they can go and do that, that sets, that sets a high standard for the conference as a whole and puts, you know, gives the conference a chance to maybe be a part of the season-long conversation of the possible playoff, uh, football playoff for the pitcher. Lincoln, before we let you go, what did you think about the showing on uh, Friday night, all the alumni that were in the building for alumni weekend there for the Raiders? Very impressed, Q. The, the fact that the, this thing has grown to where it is now, it's very impressive. And I tip my hat off to all the Raiders staff, including those who you know originally uh, put it together, You know, guys like Morris Bradshaw and Kristen Outen uh, back in Oakland when they first thought about it. But Shannon Jordan and Kaylee and all those guys from alumni have done a great job at moving it to where it is, progressed. Now, you just saw, you know, was over 200, almost 300 guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never seen that big of a caption, and we've been doing alumni you know, weekends for quite some time now. Never seen that that big, so I'm so proud of the organization. I tip my hat off to Mark Davis and his staff for all their help and everything that the Raiders did to make that happen. It was so good seeing so many old, old friends and teammates that I haven't seen in a year. I can't remember the last time I saw Andre Rising when he walked <laughs> into the hotel. I was like, you know, so we, we go back even to our Atlanta days. So yeah. it was really good to see a lot of guys, and it was real fun. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I just being able to see them come rolling into the wind club and just having a good time, yeah. and you could tell everyone was excited to be there. It was really cool to see and be a part of and even to get to talk to a few of the guys. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. Guys like you and me had to work. So we, <laughs> yeah. couldn't really enjoy it we, we had to work, but it's all right. It's all good. It's all it good. is all good. Lincoln, appreciate you as always, my man. Uh, we'll talk to you. Matter of fact, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Yes, you will. You guys be good. I'll talk to you soon. All right, there he goes. Lincoln Kennedy, Raiders Radio Network, also uh, obviously former Raider offensive lineman and was in the building on Friday uh, with all the massive amounts of Raider alumni out there. And uh, I just thought it was great to see. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to Lincoln again on Thursday coming up at 4 o'clock, as we always do. So Raider Nation still want to hear from you. Of course, the Salmon Ash text line is wide open, 69187, keyword R&R. Also, 702-365-9200. You can hit us up. We got Sheena Quick. She's covering the Panthers like a glove. She'll be joining us at 4 30 but uh anything you got on your mind anything you want to say about the roster the the guys that have been released and waived and put on the ir list you can hit us up let us know about us radio nation radio 920 third and two baker goes through his progressions finds a man open touchdown shy smith that was a great pass by baker baker mayfield now back to unnecessary roughness with your boy q Coming up in about five minutes, we'll hear from Sheena Quick. She's a Panthers beat writer, does a great job covering them like a glove, and, you know, got a got a little place in my heart for uh, Matt Rule and company, so I want to see what's going on with them, especially now that the 53-man roster has been uh, put out there. At least the releases and the cuts and the IR guys have been put out there, and uh, I apologize to anyone on Twitter. I tweeted out the, the waves and the injuries and the release guys, and, uh, in my description, I put it as the 53-man roster, and so everyone, the Twitter police have come and told me this is not a roster, and I've had a couple people tell me that they need my job, so hey, feel free to apply anytime you want. It's all good. LVSportsNetwork.com. Um, just trying to put it out there, and I guess that's what happens when I try to radio and tweet at the same time, so I apologize. I think everyone pretty much knew what I meant, but you know, there's always got to be a smart ass or 12 in, in the group, so it's all good. 
No worries at all, but uh, definitely appreciate you pointing out uh, my slight errors. Let's go out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our good friend, ABA Ivan Davis. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, man, I just knew Garbus was going to make that team. Man. Feelings are hurt. But I think he's going to come back uh, as a, uh, what you call it, practice squad. I mean, somebody's going to pick him up if they don't. And I mean, who's I that? He's earned who's that? Team. Chase Garbers. Oh, Garbers. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't. I, your phone kind of made some noise. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to make Donald's first. <laughs> it happens. No, it should be better. McDonald's has pretty good, strong Wi-Fi, but Leatherwood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I'm a I'm a call. If somebody can change him mentally. I mean, he's gonna. I'm not going. He's gonna be all pro, but he's gonna be better. I mean, that was clear with, with him is that the defensive lineman didn't help him out. They just here's someone we can just dominate and look good. They they beat up on him like a bully. And just left him distraught. Okay, instead of that, hey, this is how you. I mean, you know, I'm the old Raiders used to talk about that communication. Okay, and clearly that didn't happen. So I'm a little disappointed in Chandler Jones, and uh, maybe uh, man, my my boy at the end. I knew like Chandler Jones was on his side, so uh, a little disappointed that he didn't he didn't help him out a little bit. Okay, but um, anyway. At least he got paid, so it, it can't be all bad. Right, exactly. Thank you for the call. I do appreciate you. Look, he got fourteen point something million dollars, and I'll say this: I'm glad that, and this is not in a mean, disrespectful way. I'm glad that Chandler Jones didn't take it easy on him, or Max Crosby, or anyone else. Could you imagine if he took it easy on him and he looked good in practice, and then he got into the regular season and it didn't look good, and then they say, "Well, what happened?" I can, I mean, I could only, you know, that would that would be all bad. So, you know, iron sharpens iron. These guys are going full throttle as much as they could in practice. That's Max Crosby. I mean, look, Max Crosby didn't just make Alex Leatherwood look bad. He made a lot of guys look bad. I mean, he was a guy that we said multiple times on this show was pretty unstoppable throughout the course of training camp. So uh, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I don't fault Chandler Jones at all for, for going hard and, and showing who he was. I mean, these guys practice hard. They compete hard. Uh, you know, something that I heard. Uh, this morning, and, and I've heard it so many times, and I know that it's true, but Jason Fitz uh, from ESPN was on with the morning tailgate this morning, and he said, hey, man, the standard is the standard, and what you do one way uh, all the time, you're going to do, you know, you're going to do everything that way. And I said it wrong, but, you know, it is what it is. It's been a long day. Uh, so <laughs> there's, there's that. It's basically uh, the way you do Anything is the way you do everything. That's exactly what he said. And so that's, that's what it is, man. The standard is the standard. These guys are going 100 miles an hour as much as they could in training camp against each other to make everyone a little bit better. Uh, you said, DeMond, we got one more call. Who do we have up that you wanted to get to? New England Raider, real quick. New England Raider, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, thank you for getting me on. I'll, be, I'll keep it real quick. Hey, first of all, they're just hating because you got Ryan Clark's number. So, <laughs> hey, if you're ever trying to pass that number, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, no, hey, uh, just I, honestly, the Leatherwood news, I, I, you know, again, you never hate, you're never trying to hate on anybody um, for, you know, the work that they're putting in. Uh, but I think that was the right move. You know, it, 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 is, it, it is crazy just, you know, crazy to think that, um, you know, anything is, well, we'll this regime will let go of anybody who's just not fitting in. And, 
you know, that dead cap hit, I, that is going to hurt, you know, especially for an NFL owner that flies coach. Uh, that's a, that must be a heavy hit. But, um, you know, I think, uh, or NFL owner, you know, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what this uh, 53 is going to do, and I'll keep it uh, just at that. Thank you, guys. Thank you for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, um, the, the Raiders have a lot of value right now. Uh, last time Forbes checks, it was like $5.1 billion they were worth. So I don't think that they're worried about uh, too much as far as the finance. That way goes. Now, of course, releasing a former first-round pick and taking that dead cap hit, that's a whole other subject. But, you know, if he doesn't fit, he doesn't fit. And it's a new regime. They have no ties to him. But uh, joining us right now, right now on the phone lines, I'm excited to have this next conversation with Sheena Quick. She covers the Panthers like a glove for 1340 AM Fox Sports. And she Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I was telling everyone I got a warm spot in my heart for the Panthers. I'm a Matt Rule guy. I have Aww. no problem saying that. Uh, but I know that this, oh, wow. is year, this is year three, and I know there's a lot of Panther fans that don't feel the same way about Matt Rule. What has been, you know, kind of the feedback that you've been receiving so far from Panther fans on, on what's going on there in Carolina? I will say this. They aren't Matt Rule fans, but they have to value the way that the Panthers have conducted the past couple of off-seasons outside the quarterback position, of course, and the draft. They have this team primed to at least make a playoff run. Yeah, that's what the expectations have to be, right? And, and everything I know from Matt Rule when he was in college, I know the NFL is different. Year three is his year. Well, this is year three there in Carolina, and you mentioned the quarterback. They have Baker Mayfield now. You named him the starter. I don't think that was a surprise. Uh, what have you been able right. to see from Baker Mayfield? How do you think he operates with this team that they've put together? I think that everybody's buying into it, and I will say this. Not a knock at Sam Darnold or Teddy Bridgewater, but personality-wise, Baker brings that, I guess, some swag and some tenacity and just some some, a little bit of cocky arrogance, but, you know, that's kind of needed sometimes at that position. They haven't seen that since Cam Newton, and I think that a lot of teammates appreciate that. Um, he's not the only one that's on kind of a redemption slash prove the tour, like you, meant, like you mentioned Matt Rule. He has a lot to prove. Um, Sam Darnold has a lot to prove if he's going to be a backup anywhere other than Carolina after this year. There's a lot of guys with jobs on the lines, and they can't afford to not completely ball out this year. So I think that as far as teammates-wise, I haven't heard anybody say anything negative. Everyone talks about how uh, detailed he is, how smart he is, and how disciplined and committed to learning that offense and developing some synergy and off-the-field chemistry with the other teammates. So it's been nothing but glowing reviews so far. You know, when he was successful in Cleveland, he had such a strong run game behind him. Of course, in Carolina, there's Christian McCaffrey, but basically you got to put him with kid gloves. you got to put some bubble wrap around him because he's been unfortunately injured. Uh, how has C-Mac looked, and, and how much uh, attention to making sure he's healthy to leading into the regular season is there right now? Well, that bubble wrap is Deontay Foreman. <laughs> True. <laughs> the bubble wrap is Deontay Foreman. You saw where they added uh, LaVishka Chenault. Yeah. So he definitely will add to that running game. He's a really big blocking type of wide receiver. I don't think necessarily that they – whatever they can get from him in the receiving game is going to be, you know, cherry on top. But I think that what drove that also as far as that transaction yesterday was his ability to, to run block and help the run game a lot. Uh, you have a new revamped offensive line. Everyone's healthy right now, knock on wood. You got um, Iggy Kongwu. He was the number six overall draft pick, clearing the lane, and as Max said, he can block out the sun. So I think that it's a definite, it's definitely a different situation with Christian McCaffrey. And I always wanted to, I always mentioned that the Panthers want to be clear, clearly, I guess, conservative when it comes to overuse of him because you could definitely see his trajectory heading the way of Cam Newton if they did not improve that team. Like you get one superstar and 
it's kind of like your comfort zone. But they didn't have Christian McCaffrey the last two years because of the overuse prior to that. So I don't think that I think that Matt Rule and uh, Scott Fitterer wanted to make sure they didn't have another season where the offense is completely reliant on Christian McCaffrey. And when he's out, nothing happens. They can't Talk- get into the end zone. They're settling for field goals. They're winning five games. Right, right. That's that's the key right there is settling for field goals instead of punching in the end zone and getting touchdowns again. We're talking with Sheena Quick. She covers the Panthers on Unnecessary Roughness Radio, Radio 920. So as far as just this team in general, and now you've seen the, the roster moves, you've seen all the releases and the waves, was there anybody that really stood out to you that you were surprised that they moved on from? Oh, uh, no. I can't say that there is. I, uh, I don't think that there, there were a ton of surprises. I know um, folks thought that the Chenault transaction meant that Terrace Marshall Jr. was out of the picture. Um, and I just think that when it comes to those two players, they're two entirely different players. The only similarity is their size. Terrace Marshall is going to give you a down-the-field um, offensive threat. Chenault, he hasn't shown that yet in the league. I don't know if he turns that corner this year. But like I said, I think that, that what drove that transaction was his ability to, uh, to run block very well. So there weren't really any surprises there. Um, Brandon Zilstra, you know, he's he's always been a fan favorite, really, really good on special teams. But that was a really, really, really crowded wide receiver locker room. So he was going to be on the outside looking in anyway. All right, Gina, something that I want to... Okay. Oh, excuse me. I wanted to ask you about week one because we already know it's the built-in storyline. <laughs> Baker Mayfield, Cleveland. I mean, he's it's the revenge game. He's on the revenge tour. But a new wrinkle has been thrown in that I haven't seen it. Are are these comments true that he said, basically, I'm going to bleep them up? Well, I can't say because I wasn't there, but I will say that it was a very, very poor journalistic taste if that conversation was had off the record and she put it on the record. But at the same time, we live in a society where people want to go viral, and a lot of times they sacrifice the relationship to do so. Okay, yes, because I was going to ask. I'm so sorry. Since then, she's gone on to say that, no, he didn't say that, that she said it and he agreed with her. I don't know if that's damage control, but either way, we, the public, should have never been made privy to that off-the-record conversation. I think that it was said to incite um, incite some things. That, I mean, I don't even think that that, that week one even needed that. Like, I, it was going to have that that level of intensity regardless. But I do think that that was in poor journalistic taste. And I will say this. I will say this. I was not a fan of bringing Baker Mayfield in because of the locker room slash off-the-field stuff. But as I said when they acquired him, this offseason and the things that he went through, things like that have a way of humbling folks. And I think that it humbled Baker and it forced him to get back to football and not, to, you know, being viral for saying something crazy or immature. And I think that that was a, a, a big blow to the progress that he's made and in, in the, the image that he's trying to present to the Carolina community. Yeah, because I mean, he's still very young. Baker Mayfield's still very young, and I just I do think that people can change. And uh, again, life has a way of humbling you, and I feel like it's humbled Baker and got gotten him back to football. Now, whether that's going to translate on the field, we don't know. But just because of that, and because it was off the record, I thought that it was in very poor taste, and it, it was unnecessary. Everybody was going to have all their uh, everyone's eyes were going to be glued to week one anyway. Without that, it didn't need the drama. 
And Miles Garrett has come out and said he's seen it now. And Miles Garrett has said, we'll take it and we'll use it. So about Baker Mayfield, you're talking about his image with the <laughs> with his image with the Carolina community. How has that transition been? Because he is now QB one, but how is that just I know it's been a short amount of time. How has he made himself a member of that community out down there in Carolina? Well, he hasn't had a chance to really get out and about yet. You know, training camp ended and, and the Panthers headed up to um, D.C. and then to New to New England before coming back and playing in front of that crowd on Friday night. But if Friday's game is any indication of the excitement that the Panthers fan base has for him, I think that he's, he's headed towards the right trajectory. Again, these fans want to win, and they know that Baker Mayfield, as it stands, gives, it, gives them the best chance to do so. So they're, they're behind it. You know, Sheena, I know that you mentioned the wide receiver room was pretty pretty deep, but I, I saw the report the other day about uh, Denzel Mims wanting to trade out of New York, and I immediately uh, put the two and two together with Matt Rule and Denzel Mims, both being former Baylor guys. Any chance that that happens, or is they just have too much talent in the wide receiver room right now? I mean, you can never say never, but I think they have an, an enormous amount of talent in their wide receiver room. Yeah, you can no, never I, say never. Right, and, and, and you know people are going to be hitting the waiver wires, and the Panthers need a kicker. They have to move some. Like they, there's some other things that could possibly happen, but I wouldn't rule out Denzel men. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they just stuck with what they had. Right, yeah, and and I was I was actually uh, surprised when I saw that, and then I thought, you know what? Uh, yeah, Carolina would be the spot, but then the Lavishka Chenault trade happened, so I thought, okay, well, maybe not. Maybe that's not going to happen at all. So as far as just this team, and you mentioned at the top that Matt Rule's got to show that they've got to improve this year. Uh, what what do you think the reasonable expectations for this team this year should be? I think they could either finish nine and eight or ten and seven. I think okay. both of those are very well within reach. Um, I, I just think this is one of the more this is the most complete team that Matt Rule has had during his Carolina tenure because if you can't get that quarterback position right, good luck getting some wins <laughs> in the NFL. And he hasn't necessarily been too lucky in that arena, and he can't afford to not be successful this year. So I'm 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 going with nine and eight, ten and seven. Those All are right. my final prediction. <laughs> there you go. Sounds good. Well, Sheena, I just wanted to, like I said, selfishly get a quick little update on the Panthers. What was Matt <laughs> Rule going going on with him, Baker Mayfield? Was there a possibility for Denzel Mims? Like I said, uh, from the outside looking in, I'm a Matt Rule guy, so I always support the dude. So I wanted to check in on him. And, look, Frank Ocam is here. You know, he's a former uh, Panthers defensive line coach. He's now with the Raiders. So there's a little bit of tie-in right there as well. Right. So there you go. So, Sheena, you got anything coming out that we need to be on the lookout for? anything uh you know panther related that we should be on the lookout for um well i do have my podcast that we publish new episodes every wednesday uh so there'll be a new episode available tomorrow called quick blitz you can find it on uh roaringriot.com i'm sorry riotreport.com you can find it on spotify apple wherever you get your podcast there it goes well sheena quick uh, has been our guest here on radio nation radio 920 sheena thanks so much for your time i really do appreciate you we look forward to talking to you down the line Thanks for having me. No problem. There she goes. Sheena Quick. You can find her on Twitter at Sheena underscore Marie 3. Covers the Panthers. And I know, and I've already got uh, the tweets angry at me for talking to Panthers on cut day. Didn't realize. <laughs> man, I've been missing a lot today, man. All I've been doing is taking L's. Two and a half hours into the damn show, and I'm t catching L's for taking 10 minutes to talk about the Panthers. Man, oh, man. I didn't I, know we were having such a bad show. I didn't either, but apparently that's the case. So I'm... I'm I guess I'm taking this one personal today. So normally don't take too many of these L's personal, but Jesus, 
two and a half hours into the show, and I take ten minutes to talk about the Panthers. And look, I did tie it in. Frank Ocam is with the Raiders, was with the Panthers. So there's that. If I had to do that, four forty-one is the time. We'll take a quick break. This is unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. See, they punch this in here. Third and goal at the three. Garbers tosses left. Brown holding it in his left arm. Runs in untouched. Six easy. TD Raiders. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Got an awesome tweet from Raider Earn, 1975. Your show is way, way too long, Bubba. Appreciate you. It's awesome. Got a cool tweet from Ken. Love the show, but I can't listen to the whole show. When I'm turning on the local radio station, Raider station, and I hear Carolina Panther talk, I'm like, what the hell's going on? Thank you, Ken. Appreciate you. Awesome. Good stuff. 702-365-9200. I can't help but to laugh. Uh, let's go out to Houston in L.A. What's up, my man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Q, don't worry about none of that, my brother. It was a cool <laughs> twist for a minute, man. I know it's too late to switch shirts for the red shirt, but you come back tomorrow with that <laughs> red shirt, bro. You know I will. tomorrow. I haven't even worn it in like a month, but I think I will <laughs> now. <laughs> right, right. Get him, Tiger Man, for real, bro. Look, man, look. The, the Carolina talk. Oh. I mean, the, the 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 young lady, I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, like a luster or nothing, but she sounds pretty nice, man. I mean, cool, smooth, country voice with a lot of good intel to say. So I dug it, bro. I dug it. There you go. There you go. Well, hey, look, it was NFL related, so it's not like it was, uh, it's not like I was talking about badminton or something or baseball. So there's that. But, hey, you know, it happens. Anyway. It's all good. Appreciate you. Yeah, well, 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 hey, just one thing to, you know, pretty much for my call, I mean, is what I call for. I just wanted to, to, to say, brother, that um, I was kind of looking forward to Mullins hanging around, but this regime ain't no joke, bro. And right. I'm just going to just let go and let them do the driving, man, as far as being a fan and, and, and supporting because they letting cats know that they ain't playing, man. And Mullen, he's been hurt a lot, man. And they must see a lot of good opportunities in the cats behind them. So, I mean, you know, we don't have no other choice but to go for it because they see these cats all day. So, you never know. They may see Mullen get burnt a couple times too many, you know, may not have those steps back and you know the, the time is now, bro. <laughs> Period. Right. And along with, and along with, and along with Leatherwood, I was in this corner, man. You know, but at the same time, bro, after seeing these last games, do something had to happen. I think a good change of atmosphere for that brother may switch him around. But you know, for our squad, we didn't need it right now, especially game one against Boston Clear out there, baby. Uh, uh-uh, we need something else. There you go. Good stuff, good stuff. Thank you for the call, my man. I appreciate you. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about, man, is, you know, that this regime just did not see him as a fit. So, obviously, that's one of the big stories for the day. Obviously, Trayvon Mullen was the other big big uh, story, and, and it just it feels like, and the reports were out there, he was going to be IR'd, so that means that he was going to be out for the season. So, if he's out for the season, they weren't going to get anything for him anyway. So, I just, you know, I didn't have any problem with them moving on. I like Trayvon Mullen a lot. I liked him out of Clemson, but it just didn't work out for him. And really, last season, started to be the beginning of the end, right? Missing as many games as he did. So uh, it's just unfortunate. The, it's a business, like Lincoln Kennedy said at the top of the hour. It's just, it, it just kind of is what it is. So uh, thank you for that call, Houston and L.A. Always appreciate hearing from you, my man. Up next, we got Raider Dave. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? 
Hey, Q, live from the pool hall. There's a special effect for you. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, I, I think your W here, quit taking L's, because your W here is predicting that this regime, this uh, management is all about winning now and putting in players that can make an impact that are young. You save on the cost of the team. And you and I debated about uh, Turner and T. Billy. And, man, both of them are there. And I think it's going to be real exciting to watch them play. Yeah. Good and stuff. I believe, that, uh, I believe the Leatherwood deal is something you just got to do. Because if he's not going to be able to be uh, a good, solid piece of guard where they have Farm who can play both positions, you know, center and guard and both sides, there's just really not a lot of room. And if he's not going to have quicker feet or get his hands right, there's just no time in win now mode to go ahead and, and you know wait on somebody's development like that. And I think you're spot on about uh, the DB. You know, if they can trade something for him, why not? And there was I have one question though because I've heard through the grapevine a little bit about there was a possible decision that some of the different IR rules of bringing guys back early may have been decided upon before today's deadline. And I haven't heard any news about it, so I'm happen to guess that. The uh, the NFL decided not to change that, but I, I don't know how reflective it is of the type of IR uh, two stage. One was eight week, and one was full season, or something like that that we right. had during the pandemic. Have you heard anything about that in development? Yeah, I mean they they basically didn't change anything. Once if they had been IR'd before the season starts, you're not coming back. Right, so like if Trayvon Mullen had been officially IR today, he was going to be out for the whole season. If they were going to IR him once he, if he made the fifty-three man roster and then was IR'd, he could come back in, you know, what four weeks, or he could be designated to return. Uh, and they are allowed to do that to a couple players uh, a season, so uh, that would have been okay. But clearly, that wasn't going to be the case, and so that's why I really didn't have any problem with what they decided to do because it just Certainly felt like when you have these guys that are released, that you're going to see from any great team or good team, more guys are going to get picked up out of who is cut. And uh, we saw in the past that the Raiders would make their cuts down to 53 and then go scour the wire and bring in six guys. Right. Now you're going to see the Raiders being picked up everywhere else that are cut from the team. And it just goes to show how impactful this offseason and the talent that, uh, that Dave has brought in. Right. I agree 100%. Thanks for the call. Eight ball corner pocket. I heard that right there. I'm not mad at that at all. Uh, lots of good stuff, man. A lot of good stuff uh, on the show. A lot of good stuff that we still have to get to. Have plenty of alumni conversations that we want to get to. Just don't want to rush them on. Uh, there's many opportunities I've had to kind of throw uh, Raymond Chester on there, but I don't want to do that out of respect for Raymond Chester. I don't want to just throw him on there. So I'd rather just, uh, you know, just when we have time, get to it. I mean, those those conversations will not not age bad because they're all about just the Raiders. And so I think that that's, um, that's fine. Uh, let's see. You got a couple texts here. Mailman Raider said, I think we should also note that Alex was a left tackle in college. No, nobody mentions that. Lincoln once says that it's like wiping, your, wiping with your offhand. I think whoever picks him up may try him at left. And that was the thing at Alabama. He played multiple positions. Uh, he played guard. He played tackle. He played left. He played, I mean, he played right. I mean, he's, he's done a lot of different things. <laughs> the difference is at Alabama – and I do believe that Alex Leatherwood has ability. The problem is that Alabama, they're so much better than the next best team that it makes everyone look good, right? I mean, and I've had people tell me this plenty of times just because I really do appreciate Alabama players. A lot of people will tell me, but Q, they were so dominant that it, almost, it was almost forced to have the guy next to him be really good. And it's funny, that's how I feel about a lot of Ohio State players. 
Um, you know, and I, I remember, I can't remember exactly what team it was or what year it was, but it was the year that, that Joey Bosa came out. And Oh, and remember they had uh, uh, Darren Lee. Remember the linebacker? They had him. I think they had Garyon Conley. Uh, they had the other cornerback uh, uh, that went number three overall. Um, that he went to the Lions. Uh, man, I, oh, Akuda, Jeffrey Akuda. They had all this talent around him on the squad. That they were so stinking good. It's like I felt like everyone on that team had to be good. And that's how some people feel about Alabama players. Now, again, I really like Alabama players, so I've never had a problem with the Raiders drafting them. Of course, Josh Jacobs is still a member of the team, and uh, I think that he's going to have a really big, big season, and I've always respected the hell out of Josh Jacobs. It's just what, sometimes when you have so much talent, it makes the other guys better around you, but then when you get them on an individual team by themselves or you don't get them with that same talent around them, that they're not able to you know, step up to their – to that, uh, their expectations. So I think there was a lot that played into Alex Leatherwood. Again, one year in the league, he has time. It's not like he's on his last leg and he's not going to get picked up. There's one thing that we know, Demond, about the NFL. You, they, they want a guy. They want guys that can get after the quarterback, and they want guys that can protect the quarterback, and they want the quarterback that can go and, and score a lot of touchdowns. So believe me, some team's going to pick up Alex Leatherwood with the expectations of you know what. That regime wasn't patient with him. We can help him get back where, where he needs to be. He'll get plenty of more opportunities, and he might not need plenty. He might just need one more opportunity. So I do believe the guy has plenty of, of, of talent. He just didn't have that talent with the Raiders. Yeah, exactly. And we see a player who's got that redemption story here on the Raiders, Jermaine Illuminor. Yeah. He said, like, hey, man, this he is his last that. chance. Like, yeah. so for Alex Leatherwood, you can see it. Like, the writing's on the wall, hey, man. Maybe it didn't work out here, but there's still some room to be hopeful because you can make it work somewhere else. Because, like you said, someone is giving him another chance. Right. Illuminor tweeted out earlier today. He had, you know, this time last year, he had been cut for the second time in four days. Right. So, and he was in Baltimore. He failed. He was in New England. He failed. You heard Licky Kennedy say he didn't take last season, even with the Raiders, uh, you know, seriously. And he said it himself as well. So, you know, Lester Cotton, he's been cut how many times? Four or five times. And now he's got a roster spot. Let. Alex Leatherwood's going to have another opportunity, and I doubt that he, he, he fails. I think that he'll have less expectations, not have to worry about being the former number one overall pick, number 17 overall, and he'll be just fine. Till tomorrow, Raider Nation. Wake up with the morning tailgate. We'll talk to you. It's Raider Nation Radio 920.